listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert Monk. Welcome in to the Full 10 Yards podcast. Week one is in the books. Week one is done and dusted, ladies and gentlemen. 16 more weeks to go. What a week it was. Um, and to review the week one action, we are we have two guests today. Our first three-way, um, which is very exciting. So let's get straight into it. First up, we have Ben Rolfe, uh, who can be found on Twitter at BenRolfe15. He's a sports writer for Fake uh, Pigskin, Roto Baller, and also uh, 99 Yards. And also, very quickly on the call, at very late notice, a late substitution, if you will, David Davenport of uh, Tidy NFL. He's the writer and founder of Tidy NFL, uh, and he can be found on Twitter at Dave underscore Tidy NFL. So guys, thank you firstly so much for coming on and jumping on the call to review the week one games. I hope you enjoyed uh, football being back in our in our lives. Um, you know, all the I know one of you are in multiple uh, more than 10, 15, uh, 15 fancy leagues. So I know you going through the waiver wise wasn't wasn't fun this evening. I'll be doing that shortly. But uh, I suppose it was great to have uh, football back in. Brilliant. I mean, um, I don't really watch a huge amount of preseason. I had to this year because, as well as all those other places, I do a little bit of. Well, I, I'm the managing editor for the Atlanta Falcons on full press coverage, nice. and we had obviously a big full preseason play. But it's just so hard to get interested. It's nice to follow the odd guy, but it's really hard to get deep deep into it if you're if you're not staying up to watch the game. And find that that momentum the next morning to pull up a three-hour preseason game. So yeah. I didn't hesitate on a Monday morning to uh, pull up the three hours of the Packers and Bears game. That was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, totally. Just echo what you said there. And the preseason for me, this has been my worst preseason to date. It's um, it's been the longest. It's been the most desperate for, for real football to come back. So yeah, massive relief to get some real football on our screens this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, we started off that venture week one. Atlanta at Philly, like I say, Steve Sarkeesian is still more on in the red zone. Um, it's pretty much a carbon copy of the, the 2017 playoff game where, you know, Falcons were still in it, had a chance to win, uh, going deep into the, the fourth quarter, even in the last couple of plays of the game. What, what did you guys, uh, Ben, we'll start with you. What did you? What was your main take from, from the opening game of the season? Oh, it was miserable. Um, usually, that's the best Thursday night football game of the season, and it was grim. The, the yep. penalty flags were flying. It took me back. I don't know if you how, if you guys go to the Wembley games, like all of them, but I, the Saints Dolphins game last year. I think the crowd were actually booing before half time, but not teams. It was a crap game, but they were booing because every time anything significant happened, the rest threw a flag, yep. and that's almost how this game felt. I mean. The refs just wanted to be the centre of attention. I, I can't believe that Julio Jones's long catch wasn't overturned. So things went against both teams. But it feels like, looking back on it, that so many things went against the Falcons that had they just gone the other way, I actually think they would have come out on top. They still would have looked miserable in the red zone, but they, they would have been able to come out on top just with those little advantages that they, that, that they disadvantaged from the ref kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Dave? Do you, do you feel the same? Uh, yeah, totally. Julio Jones, there's there's no doubt in the guy's ability with 19 targets and as many yards that he did amass through that game. But it's just the red zone work, um, and it's just the it's just the touchdowns again. It's it was frustrating to watch the the Falcons' offense at time. Um, I did. It was six three at half time. I must admit that I thought 
I've had enough. I'm going to bed. And I was surprised to, to wake up to see it had picked up a little bit in the second half. Um, something that did surprise me massively uh, was was JJ for the Eagles. Because um, in the first half, it just seemed like uh, Sproles, Clement and Ajayi were, were taking one rep each at the position. Yeah. Um, so to wake up and see that Ajayi had, had got the stat line that he had uh, was a bit surprising. But... Um, time for things moving forward, especially for fantasy owners. Yeah, yeah. Jay kind of had a sneaky fifteen carries. Like if you watched the game, it didn't really feel like he was in that much. It, yeah. it actually felt like you saw a lot more of Darren Sproles. And yeah. I was just having a look to see what Darren Sproles' targets were, and he got seven targets. So there's kind of a difference. Sproles saw seven targets to five carries, whereas Jay got his fifteen carries it just feels like Ajay had those two moments where he broke for touchdowns so yeah. I do worry what this this offense is going to look like Ajay will get probably 50% of the carries but he's going to have to score you at least one touchdown a week yeah. to, to really be fantasy relevant because I don't think he's going to catch many balls so in PPR leagues he's, he's almost worthless if he doesn't score a touchdown yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, when I, when I, I first watched it, because I was away on holiday uh, during Thursday night football, so I woke up in the morning and watched like the game in 40 on Game Pass, and all you saw at the backfield was Darren Sproles, Darren Sproles, Darren Sproles. I was thinking, hang on a minute, what's, what's going on here? Because obviously Jay Ajayi's knees, have, it's been well, well documented what was going on, with, you know, his injury niggles there. So it's a bit, he came off the injury report, obviously the practice prior to, to the game, and... Yeah, no, I was, I was surprised to see the usage, and that kind of put paid to to Corey Clement uh, a little bit as well, because you know, there's quite a lot of people that are high on him going into the season. Um, so he's obviously, it feels like to me that the Philly offense and the the coaching staff there want to get Sproles a lot more involved, and Corey Clement uh, is probably someone that's going to be dropped quite a lot in leagues uh, for the for the week two waivers. Um, yeah, and a couple of takes for me. Yeah, Philly, the Philly offense was actually quite awful as well. Uh, which is not not yeah it's it's understandable considering Nick Foles was was behind there but yeah I agree the flags ruined the game a little bit and you know and a few other things go the other way and including the the Julio Jones catch that that wasn't a catch um, then the Falcons you know I I was all over the Falcons preseason I heavily bet on them uh, handicap on the spread. Um, it just didn't just didn't kind of work out. I thought the bet was right, but the, the result didn't happen. Uh, just a bit of news, obviously going into week two, they're working out uh, a couple of <laughs> a couple of former Baltimore Raven wide receivers, Clark Aiken and Brashad Perryman. So that says all you really need to know. Um, obviously Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey probably still a couple of weeks away. Yeah, it, they they don't look like they're coming back anytime soon. I know they were trying out Corey uh, Coleman, who just signed with the Patriots. Yeah. Um, what will be? We just talked about the Philadelphia machine. I'm really interested to see how Atlanta do it because considering this game never got out of Atlanta's hands, so they were only what really trading um, for a few minutes relatively in this game. They only carried the ball 18 times, and I know yeah. Devonta Freeman came out with a knee injury at the end, mm. but he. Six yards a carry. It just—I know he had one rush of twenty yards, but it just seems odd that they went away from the rush so much and just yeah. put it in Matt Ryan's hands. Because the best way to stop a pass rush like the Philadelphia Eagles is, is to run the ball, and it will see the Patriots show the Falcons this week how to handle a pass rush yeah. if they if because they're facing the Jags. I think they'll run the ball to try and the pass rush down and then let Brady get rid of the ball. Mm. Yeah. No. No. I agree. No, I agree. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, because I, I was quite hot on Atlantic, obviously, coming into the season as well, but it obviously looks like that Steve Sarkeesian ha- kind of hasn't really learned much from 2017, it seems. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we'll see how they, they progress. Obviously, Philadelphia now go to uh, Tampa Bay. Atlanta obviously, uh, will host the Carolina Panthers. Moving on to the Sunday games, uh, Buffalo 
absolutely demolished by Baltimore. This one got ugly quite quickly. Um, ben, what, what was your what was your main takeaway from the, from this game? The, I don't know what the Browns are doing. I, sorry, the Bills are doing. I just don't understand. Uh, well, I don't know what the Browns are doing, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> we'll um, get on to them in a minute. The, the, uh, Josh Allen showed when he came in that he wasn't really ready to start. He went 6 for 15 for 74 yards. It was always going to be tough for him. That offensive line looks awful. He was sacked three times. But Nathan Peterman is not the answer. I don't understand why the fifth round pick was so significant that they traded away AJ McCarron. My only theory is that they are just desperate to tank this year and they, they want the number one overall pick and they're willing to suck all year for it because Peterman, we knew he wasn't the answer. So why they're starting him, I don't But equally, if you chuck Josh Allen out there this year, he's going to end up like Blaine Gabbert, like those before him who were relatively high draft picks who just got scared because he's not got an offensive line. He's not got any weapons. And we saw the mental disintegration that Blaine Gabbert had in Jacksonville where he was just watching the pass rush come at him rather than trying to find guys down the field <laughs> because A, he knew no one was open and B, he knew no one was going to protect him. Mm. And that's a horrible situation for a rookie to be in. So as far as I can see, Buffalo have got to stick with Nathan Peterman, which means this is just going to get every week. I, I don't know what you can take away from this for the Ravens' point of view because they played such a bad team that everyone looked good yeah 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 no i agree dave dave what did you what did you make take away from from the baltimore side if, if anything at all uh, well i think this was a bit of a revenge game for, for Baltimore. the yeah. bills nabbed their their playoff spot on the very last play of uh, the last game of last season and mm. um, and considering that the bills mm. were a playoff team last year and they started the, the off season with two first round picks and two round I'm really not too sure what's happened, mm. but at the same time, I can't take anything away from the from the Ravens. Mm. They they looked good, mm. and defensively, um, a hardball defense is always going to do. It's always going to do pretty well, and obviously, they absolutely dominated the Bills. And on the opposite side of the ball, it's been well reported through through training camp and stuff that Flacco is having one of the best seasons of his career. And mm. I think with Lamar Jackson waiting in the wings. Maybe that was the wake-up call that, that Flacco needed to to spur him into into the quarterback that he always had the potential to be. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. You can you can certainly see Joe, Joe Flacco is playing with a bit of fire in his belly now. Obviously, touchdown throws to John Brown, Michael Trabke, and Willie Sneed, obviously who, who were all picked up in free agency last last season. Now, out of the three, who 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 do you like out of this receiving core? Yeah, you know, is, is it going to be spread around like it was on Sunday, or do you reckon there might be a, a, a wide receiver one? Because obviously, John Brown in training camp was the guy that was getting all the rave reviews. Crabtree was obviously the, the more of a big money signing, but I suppose John Brown's maybe the, the number the go to guy there. Yeah, I'd say Crabtree, um, just as he has been in Oakland for the past few years, is, is just too solid. 800, gar- uh, 800 yards, um, maybe eight, ten if we're lucky, touchdowns. But I feel um, I feel Brown could be the guy that, that does push that to 11, 1200 um, with a double-digit touchdowns as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see Brown this year. Yeah, yeah I think Brown's probably going to be your week-to-week more consistent contributor. Um, if you, your league puts a particular emphasis on touchdowns, then I think Crab's a good red zone threat. He's hard to ignore. Yeah. A kind of sneaky receiving option if you're looking for a tight end in really deep leagues. Max Williams catching three of his three targets. He came out of the draft with really high upside and um, Nick Boyle caught three. Caught three out of three. So 
Boyle had more targets, but Williams was arguably more efficient. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what they do this week. But I do fear it's going to be a real share it around situation. And we're going to see six or seven people get five targets a week, which is going to be really concerning. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree there. And obviously in the backfield, Alex Collins uh, didn't have the greatest of days. Uh, was, it seven, was it seven rushes for 13 yards? I think it was. I've got, I've got here on my notes. Obviously fumbled as well, got the touchdown. But Kenneth Dixon, I think, is, is uh, reported to be missing, going to be missing some time. So it's going to be him and is it Buck Allen there as well, isn't it? So... Yeah, Alex Collins probably got taken out of the game as well because obviously it got it got ugly in a hurry in that one. But yeah, not really too much to take out of there because I think most of us um, expected Baltimore to, to win quite handsomely there at home uh, to Buffalo. Any, anything to take uh, anything else to take out of this game? Or should we move on to the the fast that was Pittsburgh at Cleveland? I think move on. I think this game was soured by the Bills and it's hard to take too much from it. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, so let's move to the dog pound then. Yeah, Cleveland and Pittsburgh play out a tie, which I think was a, is the first tie in the NFL Super Bowl era, I think, if, I, if my memory serves me correct. But um, yeah, it seems to me that the football gods just don't want Cleveland Browns to win a game. You know, Ken Gonzalez with that, that final kick uh, in overtime, he, you know, Everyone, even even the beer fridge that were provided by Bud Light was starting to creak open, uh, but then someone kind of locked it again as it swiftly got blocked. Um, funny game this one because obviously everyone was saying about the weather was going to, was going to be terrible. Didn't actually look too bad. The rain was obviously quite steady, but James Connor, my God, he had a game. Yeah, he did well. He he stepped up. He did what he needs to do. Of course, now we have to hear about how this team doesn't really need Le'Veon Bell, but. That's just not understanding what Le'Veon Bell brings to this team. I mean, James Conner had a great week, but he got a lot of work. I mean, what, 31 carries and six targets. That is a that is a hell of a lot of work. And with the passing side of the offense seeming to struggle, they, they had yards almost just because of the amount of time that they had on the field in the end. But it, it wasn't an impressive performance from Ben uh, with three interceptions. So... I, I don't think James Conner to load it up every week. I think if he, if he is on the odd waiver wire, you've got to go and get him just in case. Yeah. But I just I just think the over there's going to be a massive overreaction to him this week. Oh, yeah. I do worry that the Pittsburgh go back to the air next year, next week. Yeah, so yeah, obviously uh, Pittsburgh committed six turnovers in the game. Uh, Browns had a five, a plus five turnover differential. And teams that, uh, since the Browns have rejoined the NFL, teams with a, a, a five plus or more t- uh, t- turnover differential are 132, four and one. Uh, and the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns account for two of those losses, and obviously that tie as well. So yeah, I mean the football gods just don't like Cleveland. Um, so, yeah, but the, the one thing I took from the Cleveland Browns is that Kylos Hyde is the back-to-own there because obviously he kind of made Nick Chubb and uh, Duke John- Johnson a bit irrelevant, really, there, Dave. Yeah, uh, Hyde had a great game on the grounds, which, uh, being a 49ers fan, I've seen a lot of over the last few years, and I think he is just waiting for his opportunity. I think he didn't perhaps fit into Shanahan's scheme as, as well as we would have liked to have done, and it, it was time for him to go. Um did come in. He had he had a he had a nice run. Um, he did. I think he, he'd be a nice compliment to Hyde and then Duke Johnson, obviously as well in the, in the passing game. Uh, we all know how dangerous he can be there. Um, I think Tyrod had probably one of the worst twenty point fantasy performances, um, throwing the ball yeah. four times, completing just fifteen of those. It wasn't exactly um, setting the world alight. But I think uh, Jarvis Landry's made his mark in that offence yeah. already with his seven receptions. 
um, like off 15 targets. The guy got 15 looks. Now, if, if they can hit more times, then uh, Landry is, is going to be fantastic for them this season. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing I want to point out as well, probably would go unnoticed considering the, the, the end scoreline and all the other storylines going. Denzel Ward had a fantastic game. He was brilliant. He lived fully up to the billing um, and he didn't look lost covering Antonio Brown and that's perhaps more important than the two interceptions. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, really, like, obviously he had two interceptions and yeah, no, really, really, really uh, was worthy of his uh, number five pick there in the draft. But yeah, yeah again, I know, I know it probably feel like a defeat for for, uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Obviously they're not, they're, they're used to that anyway over the last two years anyway, but yeah, at least they've got positive positives to take out of this game, and obviously Pittsburgh less so. Um, where do we where do we think David this this Le'Veon Bell situation how it how it ends up? Where, do, we, do you reckon he plays week two? Probably not. Um, well, I've heard I've heard reports that he's not going to turn up to week eight. I've heard reports that he'll be back he'll be back on Sunday. So uh, your guess is as good as mine. I would I would like to see him back because um, well teams that have spent the first round pick on him um, we don't like to see the guys the guys uh, go out so quickly and, but um, personally from what, watching the whole situation um, I'd say him just stay out for the rest of the season I'll say Pittsburgh and you are done um, it's clear that you're not going to be playing there again next season yeah. and um, James Conner the, the young guy the, the guy that Pittsburgh loves um, let him have the season now yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say they're done yeah, yeah, no. yeah. I do worry that if he comes in now, Pittsburgh will just run him into the ground, almost out of spite, a little bit, and and then I don't know what what how that that situation will get toxic quick, and that can really lower it. Interestingly, he's been removed from the official depth chart on the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers website, so mm. it could be reading in something. But may, I don't I don't know how the situation works if he's traded because I know Pittsburgh can't work out any kind of deal with him mm. in terms of a long-term deal, but I don't have another team plays under the franchise tag. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a weird situation. But like you say, yeah, the, I think the main theme is it's, it's actually quite toxic now. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be best for all parties that he just moves on and whether or not, whether or not that can be done remains to be seen. But, yeah, I, 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 it's not far-fetched to think that he's not he's played his last snap uh, in, in Pittsburgh. But then again, you know, he might be there on Sunday. I, I very much doubt it's the latter. Um, it'd probably be the former but um, yeah it'd be interesting to see who's going to maybe take a punt on him There's, there are a couple of teams out there that have big cap spaces Colts, Jets and the Browns as well obviously but um, yeah it, it's difficult because now when, when Le'Veon Bell if he moves to another team has got to learn new playbooks and he's not going to show himself in the best light for the for the rest of this season really despite how much you know how much talent the guy's got um, but yeah we're gonna say, it's, just, it's a, it's a wait, wait and see uh, I think with Le'Veon Bell but I don't think it's going to end well with him in, 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 in Pittsburgh so Let's move on. Let's move on to uh, the other AFC North team, Cincinnati Bengals, went into Indianapolis and ruined Andrew Luck's return uh, welcome home party, I suppose. Uh, Andrew Luck himself completed, uh, attempted 53 passes, which I suppose is a good sign, was one of the main storylines obviously coming out into this game. 319 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, spread the ball about nine different receivers. Jordan Wilkins got the start uh, at running back there. Uh, any anything from uh, Ben from from the Indianapolis side apart from Andrew Luck? But the running game absolutely sucks. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it will look like when Marlon Mack and Robert Turbin are back. I know any hope on Robert Turbin is quite scary, but um, at least we've seen him be a semi-competent running back at times. Um, on the receiving side, very interested by nine targets 
and Grant, of which he pulled in eight. He somebody else other than T.Y. Hilton in that receiver has to get lux, looks. And if it's going to be Grant, great. If he can catch them, even better. But from a fantasy point of view, the guy I would be putting my weight on right now is, is the tight end Jack Doyle, who had ten targets and receptions. I know he fumbled to end the game, but he is going to be Dark's go-to guy when they need to move the chains. I think, especially at sort of in the two-minute drill with T.Y. And then serving as the deep kind of shot. So I, I think Jack Doyle is a great investment if you've lost, say, Delaney Walker this weekend. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, David. So obviously on, on the Cincinnati side of the ball, obviously Joe Mixon was at, was in the absolute bell cow there. 17 rushes for 95 yards and a touchdown. Also snagging five receptions for 54 yards. Obviously, uh, you know, Mixon was a, was a polarizing player for fantasy football uh, GMs going into the drafts this year. Uh, I was very high on, on Joe Mixon, and, but someone seemed to snag him and obviously knew that and took him in the middle of the second round. So, which was a bit annoying, but ho hum, that's what you get when you do a podcast, I suppose. Um, the other the other bit of news, Tyler Eifert actually played a game, uh, three receptions for 44 yards. Obviously, it's nothing, nothing to write home about, but I suppose Joe Mixon is, is the main storyline here in Cincinnati. Yeah, totally. And I think um, with all the off-field issues surrounding him coming into the league, we kind of forgot just how good of a talent he was. He was he was tipped to be a high, a high first-round back. And if you look at the of Zeke and Barkley, um, they're people we should perhaps be putting him in the same bracket as. Mm. Last season, he didn't quite get the chance because that um, Cincinnati offence was terrible. Um, the offensive line was, was poor. But hopefully now, if he can have a full season of um, in the, in the, the new offence, he can um, really grind out that bell cow role. Um, we'll see a big season from him. Mm. Um, a, a definite RB1 candidate. Um, and John Ross as well. I'm, re- I'm really excited to see him this season. Oh, despite the fact he only had the two targets for, for one reception. Yeah. Um, it was a three down. And we've got to remember this guy is, is well, as, as far as the dash goes, this guy is faster than uh, Tyree Kill. Mm. And I've, I've never ever seen anyone burn someone um, from the three yard line before. He <laughs> absolutely had cornerback skates and. The, the touchdown just showed just how athletic he was and the, the play in the preseason against the Bills as well where we broke two guys' ankles mm. simultaneously. Oh, yeah. the, the guy's going to have a big season. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, just doubling back on Joe Mixon very quickly, just want to say that what was really promising was even though the Bengals dropped behind in this game, um, in sort of were behind for most of the second and third quarters, um, it's really good that they stuck with him because Bernard only had one carry and saw one target, whereas Mixon had obviously the 17 carries and the seven targets. Really promising if you're a Joe Mixon owner, because I I kind of expected once they fell behind, that we might see death by Giovanni Bernard just trying to go up-tempo offence. Really promising signs, and I agree on John Ross. I think as the season grows, he's going to become a really big fantasy weapon. Yeah. No, I agree there. Cool. Yes, that's Cincinnati obviously picking up the win there in Indianapolis. So let's move on to the Tennessee-Miami game. I'm just going to check to see if they've actually finished playing now. Yes, they have. That's great. Um, for, I think it was over four hours of delays in this game due to whether um, thunder and lightning or, the, or what have you. So it's a bit hard to really kind of get anything from this game because the ebbs and flows, you know, it wasn't really a, a full game, if you like. And I don't know what it is about Miami in their first game of the season. Obviously, they... Uh, the first, the first game last season was postponed, obviously, against Tampa Bay due to the uh, the hurricane. But I, I suppose Kenny Stills um, was finally repaid everyone's faith in him that for those that followed him over the last couple of years. Four receptions, over 100 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, ben, was there was anything else in the Miami side that, that kind of shot out, stuck out to you? Yeah, the only thing to just be careful of with Kenny Stills is that one of them was a 
five yard touchdown reception, which obviously really pads the stat line. It takes oh, yeah. it from a uh, sort of four reception, 40 yards up to a four reception, 106 yards. Yeah. So just, just be aware of that, that he may not... Um, he may not have big numbers like that. He's going to rely on him breaking big plays. Yeah. Um, I thought the Frank Gore line was interesting. Nine carries, 61 yards, 6.8 yards per carry. Yeah. Um, Kenyon Drake is is probably the lead running back there. He got the majority of the carries. I'm really sorry. My cat's going nuts in the background. That's what that stupid <laughs> is. Um, uh, she, makes a, she makes an appearance on all of my podcasts, unfortunately. Yeah. So I think Kenyon Drake's still the guy, but Frank Gore is. If he carries the way he carried against Tennessee, he is going to vault to carry, and that's really concerning if you're a uh, if you're a Kenyon Drake owner. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And similarly on the other side, David, they obviously Dion Lewis uh, absolutely demolished uh, all the all the hopes and dreams of Derek Henry owners. Got sixty six percent of the touches there in the backfield. Uh, Out touched Henry twenty one to eleven. Out snapped him seventy percent to thirty percent, which is forty nine snaps to twenty. Third down, 14, um, 14, 14 snaps to, to zero in the red zone, six to two. So, it's Derek, Derek Henry, what do you do if you own him? Um, I can't seem surprised, to be honest. I've, no. I've been hot on Dion Lewis this whole off-season. Yeah. I think uh, with DeMar- with Henry living under DeMarco Murray's shadow, if, if Henry can live under anybody's shadow, mm. um, I think with DeMarco Murray finally giving the key to the backfield or, or so we thought and um, everybody automatically assumed that Henry was in for a massive year. I know that I kept him in a couple of keeper leagues this year just because I thought that he was going to be the guy but teams don't make moves players like Dion Lewis if there aren't doubts surrounding surrounding Derek Henry. Yeah. Um, yes, Derek Henry is this big body guy. Um, yes, in theory he should be great between the tackles but He's got to make a guy miss, and he doesn't always do that, which is uh, which is two point six yards per carry reflects. Mm. Um, and Dion Lewis fits the scheme there better in Tennessee as well, yeah. and he does get labelled as a passing back far too often. Mm. His um, he got sixteen carries for seventy five yards, and he got a touchdown from the from the six yard line, I think it was, which yeah. you would would be prime Derrick Henry area. So mm. I'm not saying that everyone. Been Derek Henry right now, but I think it should be. Um, we should be watching a few weeks just to see how this offense pans out before we're, we're playing him again in, in fantasy league. Yeah, I mean, you... so I'm a England Patriots fan, and I watched a lot of dealers last year. Interestingly, the stats say that he had most of his carries full on first and second down, and most of his snaps were came on first and second down. Yeah, but also he's just one of the most elusive runners in the NFL. He cut on a dime. He can make defenders miss. He's one of the only guys I know that can run into a pile and make three guys miss and run out the other side. It's just incredible what he does. And you're right. If Derek Henry can't make people miss and he's just an plod, 2.6 yards per rush doesn't get you a first down if you do it three times. So they're never going to lean on that for the long haul. And if Marcus Mariota's out, they're going to lean even more on this wrong game and they're going to need the elusiveness of Dion Lewis it, it it could be his job very quickly especially if Blaine Gabbert is the quarterback yeah absolutely uh, you took the words right out of my mouth there David it's the, it's the scheme for me obviously Matt Lafleur there um, Dion Lewis just fits that, that scheme so perfectly obviously they want to be a bit more dynamic they want to be up tempo Dion Lewis 
um, can can do that in bunches. Uh, Derek Henry is maybe less so adaptable, and uh, you know Dion Lewis. They went out and got him. They went and paid him. Why why would you then let him sit behind Derek Henry and be more of a predictable offense? You know, Dion Lewis gives you both. You know, like say their first and second down work, but he can also pass pass out there as well. So he's keeping keeping the defense honest, and Dion Lewis gives you the, the best chance to win the game, I assume. But so yeah, I've never been a big fan of Derek Henry. Yes, he's. He's a banger, and you know he padded the stats quite a lot last year. Um, but yeah, if I'm if I'm a Derek Henry owner, I'm actually quite worried because you know you got, if you've in my in my home league, I think he went in the second or third round, which is you know quite quite absurd anyway. But you know you've already lost the value. No, who's going to take him? No one's going to take him to trade. No, he fits the old offense really. Yeah. Um, the the exotic smash mouth offense that the previous regime runs. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see him out of Tennessee mm-hmm. next year, if he doesn't at least become a reliable third down hammer or a goddamn hammer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just one, one injury note to come out of there. Obviously, Marcus Mariota, a bit of an elbow injury to, to be confirmed. Obviously he said during the game, he couldn't feel his fingers, which is always good when you are playing quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> Move. Yeah. And obviously delay. Walker going out, as I mentioned yep. earlier, that that's a big one because he's now going to hit the IR. He is going to be missed for the rest of the year. So yep. if you've got Delaney Walker, then Jack Doyle and possibly even Eric Ebron for the Colts are great targets mm. in that game that we just discussed. Yeah, absolutely. And for one, maybe those in deeper leagues, maybe Jonu Smith uh, and the other guys whose name escapes me at this point. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for the Tennessee-Miami game. Which uh, let's, let's move on to... San Francisco at Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota were only winning by eight uh, in this one. Obviously, San Francisco were probably probably uh, in it for a bit longer than mo- most people thought. Obviously, Minnesota were quite warm favourites for this one. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo obviously come back to earth there with multiple interceptions and I think just the one touchdown as well. Marquis Goodwin left the game with a quad injury. I think he's doubtful for week two. Uh, on the Minnesota side, Ben, I, I suppose... <sighs> Kirk Cousins just kind of did what he was brought in to do and the offence I suppose was was what everyone kind of expected it to be going into this season Yeah I don't think we see the same stat lines we saw from Cousins in the past he's going to have impressive games but I don't think we're going to see the top five fantasy quarterback kind of numbers because he doesn't need to be he just needs to be solid there he's got both Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray he has a defence that will make sure teams score probably let's say I would think that they will average 20 points probably. So I, I think he doesn't need to be that special. He can lean on his run game. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of frustrated Kirk Cousins owners this year. He's going to have the odd game where he blows up when they have a tough matchup, but mostly he's, he's going to serve a game manager role, but he's going to do it in a, in a good way, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, David, you Delvin, the other yeah, you touched on it there, Ben, about the uh, Murray and, and Cook backfield. It was quite a surprising split there. Um, how close it was, I suppose, but maybe it's maybe just a case of Cook being eased back in. But I, I suppose Kevin um, Carl Rudolph as well uh, had a very quiet game uh, for, for Minnesota as well. Is there anything to be worried about if you're a Carl Rudolph or a Dalvin Cook owner? Carl, dependent guy. That that's the key there. He he's always been touchdown dependent. Um, he's might like most tight ends in terms of in terms of fantasy. In that, if they're not getting looks around the red zone, then tough luck to him. I mean, you could compare him to Austin Hooper, who saw most of his targets for the Atlanta Falcons near the red zone, but failed to pull them in, whereas he managed to pull in his one red zone target. Yeah. And that is essentially the difference between the two. In terms of Dalvin Cook, I feel like initially they're just going to ease him back in because of his um, his, his knee injury. But 
I think Latavius Murray earned the right to have serious carries. And I think why would they put Miles on Dalvin Cook early in the season when they know that there is a very good chance that down the stretch they're going to be competing, not just for their division, but for the number one seed and into the playoffs. They want to have a two-headed monster with Kirk Cousins marshalling. If they can get all, th- all three of them, Cousins, Cook and Murray, to the playoffs healthy, they've got a great chance to go all the way. I think Dalvin Cook is going to be a frustrating guy in fantasy this year because he's not going to get all of the carries you want. Yeah, absolutely. And on the uh, San Francisco side, obviously we say Jimmy G kind of brought, brought back down to earth a little bit, but George Kittle seemed to be the target vacuum there. I, I don't know whether that coincided with Marquise Goodwin leave, leaving, the, leaving the game there, but George Kittle looked um, kind of Jimmy G's favourite target there, uh, Ben. George, um, George Kittle's very good. He's a quality uh, tight end. Everybody was sort of backing him into the season and then he got an injury. A lot of people backed off him, but it, it was interesting that Pierre Garçon, who only missed steady hands, only pulled in two of his six targets, whereas yeah. Kittle pulled in of his nine. But just all round, this was not a good game for San Francisco. Kittle could have been even better. He dropped a sure touchdown at yeah. one point. Uh, I mean, they just they they did not help Jimmy Garoppolo out. I think people are going to overreact to Jimmy Garoppolo this week, and he's going to hit waiver wires even in slightly deeper leagues if they're like if Ryan Fitzpatrick's out there. Mm-hmm. I, and I think people just need to stay. Thing. He's still a very good quarterback. He had at least one and possibly even sort of two touchdown passes dropped. And he was not helped by Alfred Morris fumbling when he got them down to the goal line. So I actually think San Francisco could have won this game. Um, I think in the end, Minnesota eased off the gas because they didn't need to go full gas. But San Francisco had their shots, and I think they're going to be in games. I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think what we've got to remember is is that Minnesota is top two, if not the best defense in this league at covering everything. They are excellent against the run. They've got the pass rush as well, and then they've got obviously one of the best secondaries in the league as well to complement it. They're stacked at all three levels. Um, so for San Francisco, there was some encouraging signs there as well. And I think now in Goodwin's absence, uh, Dante Pettis is a guy to watch. Yeah. They they drafted him in the second round ahead of some needs in the team. There were some more gaping holes in the roster than when they did draft Pettis. Mm-hmm. And the, the touchdown um, from Garoppolo in that game, it was a thing of beauty. The throw was perfect. Uh, the catch was perfect as well. So um, I think he's got the ability to have a big season, and, um, especially if Goodwin is to miss timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other side of the ball as well, uh, we had Fred Warner, who amassed 11 tackles. He was on everything on uh, on Sunday. And I think once the 49ers get Foster back as well, yeah. uh, Warner and Foster in that defence, uh, something. Um, yeah, Sherman, he didn't have the, uh, the best possible start back to his to his career. But I think coming off um, such a dramatic injury, um, it was always to be expected, to be honest. But um, yeah, with DeForest Buckner as well, he got, um, I think, two sacks in the first half and one in the second half. They've got some decent pieces on defence as well there, San Francisco. Yeah, up the middle, they're going to be a real force with Buckner. Two and a half sacks he got registered with in the end. Um, They're going to be a real force up the middle, especially when they get Ruben Foster in there as well. I think they'll switch Fred Warner out outside linebacker it's really exciting in San Francisco it's just a shame that they're all on the uh, often on the late slate for us over here in the UK it would be nice to watch them at six o'clock more often yeah no, yeah definitely but I am I after the uh, Lions performance um I am excited to, to watch the Niners against the Lions um, <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll get to the Lions a bit shortly. Uh, moving on to uh, another AFC uh, AFC clash: Houston at New England. Houston um, getting within seven here, but a uh, couple of couple of things I took away here: Chris Hogan, obviously the big disappointment there for fantasy owners. Um, pretty much. Burkhead uh, getting 18 carries was quite interesting. Um, and Houston, obviously, terrible, terrible uh, own line. And he just did, he looked a shadow of, of his 2017 self. But I suppose, uh, David, what what, um, what was what was it for you? Was it more the New England of, of last year, Brady, you know, throwing to all the different receivers? Or, you know, Philip Dorsett obviously was a, was an eyebrow raiser in terms of the of the stats. Or, you know, was it maybe Houston maybe not performing as well on, on offense? I think Deshaun Watson had a bit of a, a bump back to earth after his tremendous rookie season. Yes, he's never going to come back um, from injury just as quite as effective as he was before it. Um, but he didn't look anywhere near as good as he as he did do in, in stretches last year. Um, the guy has still got tremendous talent, and I'm sure that uh, slowly he will build himself back up to, to the position he was he was back there last year um, with Tom Brady. Yeah, spread the ball around. It, a lot of it went to Gronkowski, though. It's yeah. uh, watching Gronkowski run up the seam is a thing of beauty, and um, the guy got seven of his eight targets for 123 yards and a touchdown as well. If the guy stays healthy, he's going to be a wide receiver one, let alone a tight end one. So, fantasy owners will be rewarded with their third, fourth round pick in some cases that they they had to invest on him though. Mm-hmm. But apart from the, from that New England offense and Michelle back, and we've seen just how many carries Michelle gets compared to, to Burkhead's. I'm not really taking any other pieces of that offense apart from Gronk. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it's a tough one with both of them. I think the O line really let Deshaun Watson down, and that was a big concern for many people coming into the season. They made the New England defense look like world beaters and I can assure you they are not I mean they're never going to be as bad as they were last year because they were horrific last year but they're not what they looked in this game they hit Deshaun Watson continuously um interestingly with Gronk it the new tackle rules are really going to help because players just can't lay the helmet on him however at some point someone is going to and if the Patriots keep throwing to him eight times a game I do fear they're not going to have him for the playoffs the counterpoint for that is that this is probably Gronk's last season in New England. I, I really do think that he could be moving on because the Patriots have got to start looking ahead and he's going to demand big money and I don't know if they will want to fit that contract in. So it might be that they're just going to burn him this year. They're just going to let him take hits and see what happens. It, it would be a real shame because I think with him, they're always a playoff and Super Bowl contender. Without him, they're, they're probably sort of a first, second round knockout. Mm. Um, just you mentioned Philip Dorsett I just want to say just remember he was the first round pick at some point he has got talent and maybe what he needed was a full off season with a, a quality quarterback because he's been messed around a bit with Andrew Luck being in and out of the team um, a full off season with Tom Brady um, as a first round pick that guy is, is, is talented and I really think that he, he could be a big part of this offense he could be the threat that they lost when Brandon Brooks left mm. Yeah, yeah. Be interesting to see how obviously that, that develops. Obviously, you mentioned there at the top of the podcast that uh, Corey Coleman has obviously been has, has been signed over there. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. You know, knowing the Patriots, will probably cut him in a couple of days anyway. But um, yeah, we'll we we'll move on from Houston at New England. 
to the to the eyebrow raiser or the the last man standing coupon buster, I suppose. Tampa Bay going into New Orleans and, and defeating, absolutely demolishing the New Orleans Saints defense, putting putting nearly putting up a fifty burger on them. Um, not many not many people saw this one coming, Ben. No, uh, I absolutely didn't. I was back in New Orleans all the way. I didn't. I didn't quite think they were going to blow the Bucks out of the water because I saw some regression coming from their defense. But I didn't expect them to actually lose in this style. I thought. I thought it was going to be like a high-scoring game, sort of. But I thought maybe the Saints would be the ones that came out on top, 40-35, something like that. I the Bucks would hang around. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick has games like this. Uh, I think if you go back through his career, you will find the odd game where he just puts the back and does the job. I mean, five touchdowns, four throwing and one rushing. He, he was just immense. And I, I know they joked on the Bill Simmons podcast that maybe it's just because when you give an Ivy League brain this long to watch tape and prepare for one team, yeah. he's always going to be able to pick out all their weaknesses. Mm. But it's going to be interesting if he has two more good weeks, which I don't think he can do, what they do when James comes back. Yeah. Um, the real promising sign is we knew Mike Evans was good. Um Deshaun Jackson, five targets, 156 yards and two touchdowns is great. Always going to be a hit or miss kind of guy. Um, and Chris Godwin's always going to be around. OJ Howard, a very good end. And it was interesting not to see Cameron Brake get any targets in this game, considering they went out and re-signed him. Yeah. Um, but the big story's got to be the Saints defence. I mean, if they're going to be that bad all year, offensive players are going to have an absolute... Um, some of the day against them. Uh, I, I'm going out and adding Tyrod Taylor in some deeper leagues this week to be my quarterback to stream against the Saints because why not? Yeah, yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, just give you some quarterback stats out of uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick 21 of 28, 417 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, obviously, had the Russian touchdown there as well. Drew Brees was 37 of 45. My my Jesus, uh, 439 yards and three touchdowns as well. So fancy points for absolutely everyone, pretty much in that game, apart from Cameron Cameron Brait, really. Um, and, and of course, Ronald Jones owners, where he was made inactive, obviously before start of the game, which was quite interesting. It doesn't seem to be going all too well for uh, Ronald Jones there over in Tampa Bay. Um, David, do you just want to maybe have a, a quick word on Alvin Kamara? Uh, Alvin Kamara, yeah, he, he's the guy. He was the first round pick in fantasy league this year, and he rewarded fantasy owners with with first round pick stats. His yards per carry is impressive as as one might have hoped, but um, the Saints only had thirteen rushes in total. So I think there was a gaping hole there for for Mark Ingram to come back in week four. Yes, they picked up uh, Mike Gillisley. Uh, yes, they brought in uh, Williams, but. Um, the 13 I think that is part success to the Tampa Bay Tampa Bay here. If if the Saints had perhaps run the ball um, 25 times, uh, Tampa Bay's time on the clock would have been uh, restricted massively, and uh, maybe the Saints could have got the win here. Um, so I don't think Kamara's yards per carry is too much to worry about because he needs to be used sparingly. He needs to be used as the complement to, to Mark Ingram. But he still managed to do two red zone touchdowns from that. And um, obviously he had the, the big receiving game as well, which to have a receiver, to have a running back who got 112 yards uh, when the uh, wide receiver one had 17 targets is, uh, is quite something. Yeah, I think, I think the other thing as well, I think this is going to be a pretty much an outlier game for all the kind of stats for all the wide receivers, running backs and all that. And, and... 
um, especially Ryan Fitzpatrick, who obviously travels to Philadelphia. Uh, sorry, they, they work on Philadelphia next week. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's fantasy points everywhere. Uh, it'd be interesting to see actually how many people pick up <laughs> pick up Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know there'll be some leagues where people do because that's what that's what people do. People are stupid. Um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those crazy week one shootout games that are funky and can't really explain. Um, and that's obviously why Tampa Bay won and pre- pretty much knocked out half of most of last man standing competitions uh, all over the world, uh, to be quite honest. But um, let's move on to probably maybe a slightly more predictable uh, result. Jacksonville just squeezing past the New York Giants 20 to 15. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. had a nice game. I think he had 11, was it 11 receptions, over 100 yards. I haven't got the exact numbers in front of me. He should uh, he should absolutely eat next week against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and obviously, Fournette went out with a bit of a hammy in, uh, in, uh, injury. Obviously, it, it says that he should be okay for next week, but that remains to be seen. TJ Yeldon is maybe a hot name to, to pick up off of waivers. Uh, and then the other one, Ben, Saquon Barkley, 68-yard uh, touchdown. Uh, didn't really do much apart from that, really. They're kind of rescued his night. I mean, what, 68 yards out of 106. So we're looking at, what, 40-ish, just under 40 yards on his other 17 carry. Mm. It was always going to be tough for him against this Jags defence. Um, I I think he'll be great. I, I think we've seen here that even game where they were trailing for large periods of the game, they were committed to giving him the ball. You don't spend your second over pick not to give the guy the ball. Um, on the receiving side, Odell Beckham having that performance against A.J. Boyer and uh, Jalen Rams extremely promising. He, he is going to feast when he faces lesser. I mean, even like the Eagles, like you saw what Hugh Jones did and Odell Beckham's more than capable of those numbers. Um, very promising. Sterling Shepard getting seven targets. Really, really promising. I think there was a couple that he should have caught near down near the end zone as well, which uh, would have made his day even better. I, I just this Giants defense is going to be solid for fantasy, but only for those kind of main guys: um, Saquon, Odell, Sterling Shepard, and Evan Ingram is going to be red zone dependent. I think Ingram, right, least the third target after Barkley, Shepard, and Beckham. Yeah. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people very disappointed if they drafted Evan Ingram. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Although again, against Dallas, he should he should uh, at least score a touchdown against Dallas Cowboys next week. Um, David, is there is there anything else in the Jacksonville New York Giants game for you? Uh, no, as, as usual, the, the Jacksonville defense was outstanding, but they are going to really struggle with that for net this year. Uh, well, obviously, it, we are assuming that he's going to be back next week, but we saw it with him last year where he he seemed to carry injuries throughout the. The entire season, he didn't look as effective as as we all know he can be. Yeah. Um, in the playoffs last year, he was he was lights out for the, for the Jaguars. He was um, he really showed us what he's capable of. But if he is nursing injuries again this year, um, I think fantasy owners are going to be disappointed. And I think it is going to hamper the Jacksonville Jaguars' chances of. I still think they'll make the playoffs, but I think it'll certainly hamper them when, once they do get to uh, January football. Yeah, the trouble with the Jags is, is that they need to lean on Fournette to get to the playoffs, but they need to lean on Fournette once they're in the playoffs. So um, it, it's kind of a, a, a sticky situation. I think you're going to find that this is going to be a really ugly game when Jacksonville meet New England this week. Yeah. I think you're going to find two teams who probably expect to meet in the playoffs, playing a bit of poker, not showing their hand. If the Jags do get up early and Brady gets hit a couple of times, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they just stick Brian Hoyer in. They're not going to let their 40-something quarterback get 
get hit just for the sake of getting hit. So I think that could be a really messy game. I think it's going to be the big games that everybody's going to want to watch. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be disappointing because Blake Bortles is not going to be able to hang with New England if New England get off to a fast start. And New England are not going to risk Tom Brown to just try and steal a game on the road in Jacksonville. It's it's not worth that for them. They're going to hide their playbook. They're going to keep things under wraps because they'll know full well that they could face this Jags defense come playoff time. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point there. Um, yeah, I certainly agree with that as well. Uh, be interesting to see. Obviously, yeah, again, it, it might be one to go go on the early line for the unders on the total points there. Maybe uh, for for that game. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the nine o'clock slate. Nine o'clock games in uh, Kansas City, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Patrick Mahomes put on a show. Tyreek Hill, my word. 91 punt, punt, uh, punt return TD, seven receptions, 169 yards, and two touchdowns as well. My God, what performance, guys, from uh, Ben. Do you want to should we start with you, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill? Yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. I mean, Los Angeles' defence was lacking Joey Bosa, and that's obviously going to make a huge difference. Mahomes, at the time, some of his throws were incredible. Like, he, the way he flicks his arm just reminds me of the way Aaron Rodgers does it. I mean, I'm not saying he is Aaron Rodgers, but it's just the way that he's just able to generate that power just with almost a flick of the wrist. And then when he wants to go deep, he absolutely unloads. And that's exactly what we see Rodgers do. Most of the time he just flicks his wrist and fires it in there. And when he needs to unload, he can. I think that Mahomes is going to look for Tyreek Hill regularly because Tyreek Hill's, um, sorry, Patrick Mahomes' is depth, Reading is deep, 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 deep. Oh, I go shallow. Like, it really is that situation where he's going to look for the deep ball first. And who he is for deep? Tyreek Hill. You're not looking at Sammy Watkins deep. You're looking at Tyreek Hill. He's going to have ugly games. People are going to step in front of passes and intercept him. It's going to happen when you're taking as many shots as he takes. However, he's a very, very good weapon for Tyreek Hill. And he just needs to put the ball into and Hill will do damage. I, I think Hill's going to have a huge season and I, I just I don't see how defences are going to contain him. If you back off him, he's going to come back to the ball and help and Mahomes is If you go tight on him, Mahomes is just going to unleash the ball 70 yards down the field and let him go fetch it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice, I agree. And David, I suppose, on the LA Chargers side of the ball, like uh, Ben mentioned there, the, the defence obviously with uh, no Joe Bosa obviously didn't help. Derwin James had a good game, I thought. Um, but and, and then on the on the offence, Travis Benjamin just had butt fingers and just you know, he had oil, oil on his hands. Um, but apart from that, I suppose once the damage was done by, by Kansas City early on, this, the Chargers were always struggling to keep pace there with the defence not being able to help them out as much. Yeah. Yeah, but an incredible stat about this game is is the the Chargers beat in yards wise the the Chiefs five hundred and forty one to three hundred and sixty two. The Chargers had a lot more a lot more offense than the Chiefs did, even though it seemed that Tyreek Hill was was scoring on every single touch of his ball. Yeah. Um, but the Chargers did Chargers things with with missed field goals and etc. like that. It, it seems at the moment they they can't win September football. No. They started 0-4 last year, finished 9-7. and and You've got to feel that they're on, on course to be doing something similar again this year. Um, for whatever reason it is, whether it's because they have moved to LA, and I don't know, um, but they just they just can't seem to win September footballs. That, that is worrying. Uh, Melvin Gordon, he had a pretty Melvin Gordon game. 
He had his um, 15 carries, he, but he did impress with 102 receiving yards. Keenan Allen impressed me uh, with uh, a pretty standard Keenan Allen game. Yeah. Uh, Austin Eckler was also another one that mm. could be could be a good fantasy player. We, we obviously saw and Kamara succeed in the same backfield in New England, uh, sorry, New Orleans last year. Um, who's to say that Gordon and Eckler can't do this? Both were viable fantasy starters, mm. fantasy starters this week. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I so said I was quite big on on Chargers going into the season. I say just that defense being a bit beaten up worries me a little bit. And yeah, like I say, they've again they're another one like Steve Sarkeesian with Atlanta. They don't seem to have really gotten. Changed the changed the tune from from 2017, uh, which is again a bit worrying. But Philip Rivers looked okay, and I say that you've got all the weapons there. We're doing all the things that you kind of expected them to do. So I think it may be in just one of those games where Torrick Hill just went out and went out and won the game uh, for for Kansas City a bit early on there, uh, and then the, the you know, Chargers couldn't just couldn't quite keep up uh, the scoring with them. And again, you know that muffed punt on special teams. Um, you know, again, not learning their lessons there might may, may put pay to them yet again this season. Let's move on to Washington at Arizona. Arizona, my God, their offense and defense is absolutely awful. Offense was uh, had 213 net yards, which I think was probably one of the worst uh, of the week. Maybe only sec- uh, only worse than the Cowboys, which is uh, which is saying something. But Jordan Reed, Jordan Reed for for Washington, obviously he's a difference maker when he's healthy. He was healthy, uh, and also Chris Thompson, who said he was wasn't looking to be you know back to 100 until November, actually looked pretty good. So makes me wonder if he was actually injured. Uh, but Ben, I, I was there anything from this from this game that, that stood out to you? Uh, I'll get to that in a second, but whoa, some breaking news in terms of the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Um, Dion Jones is going on the IR. I don't know if that's scheduled to return or not, but that's a big loss out of mm. their defence, and yes. it's going to make their defence a lot more porous going forward. Yeah. I, I think that offence is really going to have to open its taps because they're not going to be able to to play no defence, going to be able to keep teams under 25 points anymore. That, that, is, that is huge news for okay. Atlanta Falcons. Absolutely crushing for mm. um, for their defence. Yeah. Um, nice. Keanu Neal obviously out so as that, well. That's a big one. Yeah, with Keanu Neal already gone, that is that's absolutely huge. Um, one positive is we might get to see the young guy uh, at Yale, Faye Oliokin, who got some unfair penalties called against him in week one. He looked really promising in pre-season, but he's no Dion Jones and the biggest thing there is that Deion Jones covers tight ends. So um, if you're a uh, if you're a t- if you're an owner with a tight end facing the Atlantis, I'm getting them in my lineup for the next few weeks. Mm, nice. There you go. Breaking news. Um, where were we? Washington Arizona. Yeah. Any anything from from the Washington Arizona game for you? Yeah, it's really impressive. Um, something I read the other day is that Jordan Reed shouldn't be considered injury prone. Jordan Reed should be considered tough as hell because what he has played through to just be on the field yeah. is absolutely incredible. I mean, um, he's actually healthy supposedly now. And I think that Alex Smith knows how to use tight ends. He knows how to get the best out of a receiving tight end. Um, the only reason we didn't see the Redskins go full bore in this game is because the Cardinals sucked so badly that they didn't need to. No. They'll just give the ball to Adrian Peterson and just let him let him dominate the game. I next in harder matchups over the next few weeks, we're gonna see them absolutely lean on Reed and Jameson Crowder. I think those two are gonna be absolutely huge for this offense. Gordon Reed, I think, is their main guy in terms of a pass catching threat if you're not including Chris Thompson. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I suppose, yeah, like I say, there's not really much to say on the Arizona side apart from the you know, the, the offensive line is porous. David Johnson saved fancy owners with a touchdown in some respects, I suppose. But uh, Larry Fitzgerald, I think, had seven receptions and 70 odd yards or what have you. But uh, I, I guess there's not really all the optimism going into the season. You know, under under the new head coach, was it Steve? Is it Steve Wilkes? I think it is. But they they were Arizona were absolutely awful. Yeah, they weren't good. Um, it's as simple as that. Um, Washington aren't probably going to be a Super Bowl contender this year. Uh, they might just sneak a, a wild card spot, but it is a very crowded NFC this year, especially the, their own division. So for the Cardinals to turn up, not turn up at all in this game was massively disappointing. And I think a lot of people had dipped them to sit bottom of the NFC West this year. And I think they've, uh, they've proved them right. I think this could be a long season for Cardinals fans and they could be looking at a very, very high pick come uh, come next April. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to another team that probably has a high pick, uh, although I'm totally being bitter being a Cowboys fan, but Dallas, my God, absolutely, you know, if they, if they were a food, they'd be vanilla ice cream because they were so bland and tasteless and just unimaginative. It's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I can't believe... I'm not going to go off on a full rant. I'll wait until after I, I let you two go <laughs> before I get into that. But my God, there's Des Bryant trolling from uh, from Twitter, which is always good. Uh, Miss Phil Goal, uh, Dan Bailey, obviously he he must have been chuckling in the corner somewhere. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised Dallas picking the top five of the draft next season uh, in the, in the, in the NFL draft next year because they were absolutely awful. Scott Linehan, um, I mean he's got probably one page of a playbook which has four plays on it. Um, the defense played so well. And just the offense, just awful. Just 232 uh, yards net uh, on offense there. Uh, I, please, please, please tell me I'm not seeing I'm not seeing a, the demise of Dallas Cowboys. And yeah, J, Scott, Jason Garrett's just got to go, Ben, surely. Uh, probably. Uh, the issue's going to be now is that he's going to say, uh, we fell into Dak Prescott. Um, we weren't ready. I let me draft my. If, if they, they're going to have to try Dak Prescott out this year and give get an idea whether or not he is the guy they saw in a rookie year or the guy we've kind of seen since, mm-hmm. because the guy we've seen since is an absolute shell of the guy we saw in his rookie year. Yeah. If um if he's not the guy, then Jason Garrett might be able to buy himself more time by just saying, "Let me draft and develop a quarterback. Let me bring you another Tony Romo kind of thing," which is going to sound stupid because he didn't really. Tony Romo, he lucked into Tony Romo the same way he lucked into Dak Prescott, in in, in a way. Um, everything that I keep hearing is that Dallas were, unlu- in a way, unlucky to end up with Dak Prescott because what it did was it, it put them in a situation where they weren't ready for that rookie quarterback when you've got to um, take advantage of them. So, like, the Eagles and the Rams have gone all in to take advantage of their rookies. But Dak Prescott caught these guys so much by surprise, they weren't ready for it. They, didn't, they hadn't prepared the cap space. Uh, I think you've got a worrying situation here where you might see the Cowboys now suck for a couple of years yep. completely purge that roster of those big contracts and then maybe in five years time you'll see um, like an Eagles Rams kind of rise out of them but it, I fear it's going to be really ugly for the next few years yeah I mean you talk about developing there I don't think Jason Garrett could develop a photo in a dark room if you told him how to do it um, you know. <laughs> It's just, it's just awful. He just stands there and claps his hands, and it just it infuriates me so much. It's unbelievable. Um, and it's like, like I say, their defense played so well to even keep them in the game. I know Carolina weren't that great on offense either. 
Um, but yeah, just so unimagin- unimaginative. Uh, Deontay Thompson, you know, he was the only one that was getting I, from the highlights from what I saw. I need to rewatch the, the whole game, but he was getting peppered and. Oh my god! I just oh, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pass over to <laughs> I'm gonna pass over to Dave for the Carolina side because uh you know I'll, I'll do my Dallas rant on on a separate part of the podcast. But um, yeah, what, what what did you see, David, from the Carolina side? Pretty much the same as last season. Cam wasn't wasn't that accurate. Christian McCaffrey didn't have the greatest of games, but he did enough. Um, but you know, Carolina did enough to win. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's always been a, a funny backfield in in Carolina. Um, Everyone says that Cam Newton is the, the best goal line back in the league, and that probably rings true. Yeah. He led the team with, with 13 rushing attempts. Um, McCaffrey had 10, but he did get 50 yards out of them. But then CJ Anderson played what was the, the Jonathan Stewart role last year, just chipping in with, with seven carries. So as far as rushing goes, it's it's not great, but we're, we're lucky that Christian McCaffrey is so wrapped in the passing game as well with with his four five yards there. Um, perhaps Van Sienis would be disappointed that he, he didn't get the touchdown. Uh, Carolina, I, I think I think Greg Olson must be must be coming towards the end of his um, certain time in Carolina, yeah. if not his career altogether. Now, similarly with uh, Delaney Walker, as we mentioned before, yeah. um, Greg Olson just doesn't seem to be able to have got fit in, in in so many seasons now, which is such a shame because he's he's been such a great tight end and he's been um, Cam Newton's absolute favourite target over that time. Yeah. So now it's really the the emergence of, of players like Devin Funches, who probably disappointed fantasy owners with 41 yards, but um, yeah, Cam Newton certainly now needs to find his, his new safety blanket with, with Olsen probably done. Yeah, no, I agree. Devin Funches, I think, yeah, will be leaned on uh, in the weeks going forward. Just obviously, no, DJ Moore was obviously uh, a guy that was sought after in, in drafts in, mo- in most leagues. He only just had the one rush for, I think, was it three yards? So it'll be interesting to see what happens to him in the in the coming weeks. Uh, he's a, certainly a drop candidate if uh, those kind of performances are replicated. But let's move on to Seattle at Denver. Good game, this one. 27-24, uh, Denver, the home team, take it. Emmanuel Sanders had himself a game, 10 receptions, 135 yards and a touchdown. But I think the most surprising one was the backfield here. Philip Lindsay um, take, get, getting the workload he did, uh, Ben. Yeah, that was really interesting. Um, I obviously, like everyone else, thought it was going to be uh, Royce Freeman. And I do think we will still see Freeman get bent work. He got 15 carries as well. They both ended up with actually identical lines on the rushing uh, Royce Freeman just didn't get the same look out of the backfield in the passing game, but uh, I think they're going to be really frustrating. I'm not sure that it's going to be dead even every week, but I'm also not sure who's going to be the guy to stand out. Um, in terms of the wide receivers, it's really funny. I, they kept cutting this game on red zone, and I don't remember Demar Thomas actually catching a ball, but he ended six for 63 with a touchdown. Um, Case Keenum loves guys that can go and get the ball where he puts it. And Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas are actually really good wide receivers. So I think they are going to really prosper under him this year. I think that they're going to have really solid games. Obviously, they will go missing for the odd game. But um, if you drafted them, you're in. You're you're really lucky because Emmanuel Sanders and both Demarius Thomas, you could get at really good values. Thomas could easily be a top 10 wide receiver and he was going outside the top 20. And Sanders was going so low, it's almost... Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And on the Seattle side, uh, David, 
Doug Baldwin obviously left the game knee injury, uh, separate to his knee his knee injury that uh, he's been struggling with all off season. I think he's uh, I think it's an MCL sprain. I think grade two, uh, if my memory serves me correct. So he's going to miss likely week two, if not week three as well. I suppose Tyler Lockett's the guy to target there uh, as well as Brandon Marshall, obviously who got the touchdown. But Rashad Penny uh, was a bit more involved than maybe some people thought. Yeah, um, Penny, he's, he had the same amount of carries as, as Carson did um, and didn't impress with them at all. He had 1.1 yards per carry, which which is pretty awful, really, whereas Carson impressed with his uh, 7.3 yards per carry. Um, what interested me was was the fact that Russell Wilson only, only rushed twice for the five yards. Mm. Obviously, not that's such a, a massive part of his game. Yeah. Uh, they did seem to, to rely on the pass a lot more and... Um, Will Disley, he was uh, going into the game as the third string tight end. He he put up a big. Um, if anybody started him in fantasy, then hats off to you because I don't think anybody saw that coming. But, but you, yeah, like you say, uh, Richard Penny. So go. If you if you're starting uh, Will Disley in fantasy football league, your your account should be deleted. To be quite honest. Uh, yeah, you've you've time travelled. It's it's as simple as that. <laughs> you. Um, to know that he was going to score sixteen and a half points, he must have, uh, <laughs> must have uh, had a had a vision because uh, I don't think yeah, anyone has done. But yeah, certainly in uh, March, uh, sorry, Baldwin's um, absence, I think Tyler Lockett could be again. He, he's another one who has always been talked about having such great potential. He's, he's a quick guy, and I think he a season where he does break out. And finally, now Richardson's gone because Richardson seems to have yeah. been the wide receiver. The... Yeah. Um, for a while, so Lockett is finally his chance to shine. Yeah, the trouble with Lockett is he's always going to need the deep bomb. He's going to need the 51-yard touchdown like he had this week <laughs> to really give you anything. Um, he's one of those guys who typically kind of a, a best ball kind of set you pick your best 11 players after the after the equation kind yeah. of yeah. player because he's, he's going to be frustrating more. Give you um, what he did yesterday. One week he's going to give you 25 points because he's going to get two of them, and another week he's going to give you like 0.5 because he's going to catch two passes for five yards. Yeah. Um, Marshall's going to be the main target in this, and then the two running backs. That that's the way I see it. Disley and Vanette are going to see the odd target, but I, I, I'm not sure Disley's going to have another game like that. He's not going to be able to creep up on people like he did this week. No. No, I agree. No, I agree. Um, let's move on to the Sunday night game. Heartbreaker in Green Bay for Chicago. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is the man, even if he only has one leg. Um, interesting game this one. Obviously, Chicago blew a 20-point lead. Chicago looked really good in that first half. Um, Khalil Mack, despite all of his efforts um, in invigorating that, that Chicago defence, obviously <sighs> succumbed to the greatness of, of Aaron Rodgers. Um, what, what was the main day, um, David? If you, what, what was the main storyline from from this one? Was it was it Aaron Rodgers winning on one leg or? Oh, first of all, we had Khalil Mack. Obviously, it's um, Aaron Donald was the highest paid defensive player for all of about two weeks before Mack was in a blockbuster trade to Chicago and uh, blew all defensive contracts out of the water. So, obviously, a lot of eyes were on him. Um, almost to the point where Aaron Rodgers' return went a little bit radar. It was uh, almost a bit underrated that he'd spent a lot of last season out. Um, so, for Aaron Rodgers, I think people almost take it for just how good he's going to be. Um, but, yeah, even on one leg, he, he saved the day against the Green Bay 
and hopefully it's not too bad because I think for football fans, nobody hates Aaron Rodgers. He's Mr. Nice Guy, and he's just such an unbelievable talent. I think he makes football better for everybody. So hopefully we can um, we can get a, a cool season out of him, and I think he's going to be an MVP candidate. Yeah, absolutely. And it's quite interesting to see. Uh, he, he seemed a bit out of it uh, in the interview afterwards, but maybe that's for the uh, drug testers to go and sort that one out. But Ben, I suppose on the Chicago side, I suppose there's still a lot to take away from there. Obviously, Khalil Mack fit, fitted in quite nicely and had himself a game. Uh, defense, um, the offense was poor, and obviously in the second half, not being able to capitalize on the 20 point lead, maybe they they got a bit uh, what's the word full of themselves a little bit and thought they had the job done which is obviously always dangerous when you're in Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers um, but is there any takes from the Chicago side? They got defensive it, it was kind of scary the way they backed off as quickly as they did um, Jordan Howard was a monster uh, lucky to not get in the end zone um, that obviously went to Mitchell Trubisky uh, 15 carries for 82 yards. That's going to be a very typical Jordan Howard line. Great to see that he got five targets for reception. Yeah. That's absolutely stunning. He actually out-targeted and out-reception Terry Cohen. Yeah. Now, partly that defences know they have to account now for Terry Cohen, whereas they're not necessarily accounting as much for Jordan Howard. So the Bears will be able to make use of that mismatch at least for a little while. Yeah. Um, Alan Robinson, great. Taylor Gabriel is going to be very hit or miss. He might catch one deep one. Troy Burton getting six targets is great. Only catching one of them, less great. But I think he's going to be a big part of this offense. I think um, Burton, Robinson and Howard should be weekly features. Yeah. I think Terry Cohen is going to be very frustrating because I think he's going to have weeks where he breaks off long runs and scores you a ton of points. But he's also going to have extremely frustrating weeks where he doesn't. But... This just comes down, this game just came down to Aaron Rodgers, didn't it? And um, if he's healthy, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, Ger even Geronimo Allison all have great value. If he's not healthy, it's maybe Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb and, and that's it because yeah. there's no value there. It, it, it's, a, it's a strange one to hear from because it was such a weird game. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, just, a, just a note on the backfield. Obviously, Jamal Williams um, didn't, didn't, was, wasn't that effective. I thought, unless I maybe watched the wrong game. Um, but I, t I expect Aaron Jones to come and pick, pick up the slack when he comes back. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I can't see why he. Uh, it's. I hate the Green Bay backfield. It's such a horrible situation to try and work out. Um, I, I think the two of them are never. Are always going to take enough from each other to ever be. Perfect fantasy options. I think you're going to be very frustrated if you've drafted either of them yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah. Just to, just to, just to double back on on Jordan Howard there. I think his his performance will probably go really under the radar, and some people actually might be disappointed. So he's certainly someone I'm trying to target the owner of uh, this week and hope that they they maybe saw something different to what I saw. But yeah, I I totally agree that Jordan Howard is is going to be a, a focal point of this this attack, both in the in the rushing and the, in the passing game there. And Matt Nagy there uh, obviously got. He's got a good coach there to to help him help him succeed in that backfield. So Jordan Howard's a guy that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna target this week for trades. Uh, I'm not quite sure who for yet, but um, we we shall wait and see. Let's go, just quickly gloss over the Monday night games. In uh, I don't know how much of these you, you've watched, guys. New York Jets demolished the Detroit Lions. Matt Stafford four in, four interceptions. The amount of pictures I've seen with just a garbage can, a blue garbage can with the number nine on it was it's actually quite funny. Um, but don't, let's not forget Sam Darnold. Obviously started with an interception, but obviously then turned that one around. Had a good game. Dave, Dave, we'll start with you. Yeah, so um, 
I must admit I've not I've not seen this game yet. Um, however, I was I was awake just just for the kickoff and um, just trying to get to sleep. When all of a sudden my phone started my phone started going mad, and I thought, well, what's what's going on? What's going on? I've seen that Sam Darnold had thrown a pick six on his <laughs> on his first play of his career. Yeah. So to wake up to the the stat line that he did was was quite impressive, especially for somebody so young. It's his first ever NFL game. Um, he's the the youngest Jets starting quarterback in decades. Yeah. And for him to be able to bounce back from that and to put in that performance, to put that many points away from home in a, in a, in a matchup that they're heavily underdogs, mm. I think shows real maturity. And I think the Jets have, have got a real, um, a real gem there. And I think he's going to be probably the best... Uh, the best quarterback out of this draft class this year. Yeah, and let's not forget the Giants passed on that for Saquon Barkley, but that's another story. Yeah, I mean on the on the Detroit side, uh, Ben, it wasn't wasn't pretty. Um, obviously, seventeen points kind of shows that. And but I think this New York Jets defense is actually quite underrated. Todd Bowles should get a lot of credit. Um, you know, they're quite young, they're quite eager, they're quite keen. You saw that a bit last season. It just I suppose it didn't really go their way, but I suppose this season, obviously, no one really saw them winning by thirty-one points uh, away in Detroit. But you know, New York Jets shouldn't be shouldn't be underrated. No, they shouldn't. Um, I think Detroit had real chances to not take this game away, but to stay in it. Marvin Jones dropped a long target um, diving. It wasn't it wasn't easy, but uh, I feel like he missed a couple of opportunities in the end zone to come down with the ball probably sort of 50-50 balls and you wouldn't expect him to come down with them. Kenny Golladay is the big star here. Um, we all thought he was going to be featured last year. We went crazy for him. He wasn't really. Seven receptions on 12 targets for 114 yards. Really impressive. I think he is going to be a beast part of this, this offense this year. Uh, I just want to mention on Sam Donald. Yeah, after the pick six, he only then failed to complete four passes. Mm -hmm. However, the Robbie Anderson touchdown basically... And uh, the Detroit defender on the way into Robbie Anderson's hands, so that that could very easily have gone different, if, mm. if that makes sense. It, yeah, yeah. It, it could have very easily been the other way, so that's quite concerning. Um, I, I just want to end talking about the rushing performances here. The Jets absolutely beasted with their double-headed monster, mm. with Crowell going for 100 yards on 10 carries and Powell having 60 yards. Both of them, really interestingly, blocked brilliantly um i know Corel benefited from a 62 yard breakaway like breakaway play but both of them beautifully picked up blitzes Crowell absolutely took someone's knees from them in a block which um is what, what you want if you're going to have sam darnold there and it's it's going to be really hard to pick between the two and unfortunately much there anybody else they're gonna they're gonna feast off each other and it, it's such a shame one of them probably will come out on top but the contrast between them and what Detroit had was just ugly. Detroit, LeGarrette looked like he was plodding. And I remember thinking that a couple of years ago with the Patriots, and then he came good for them. So I think he's a guy that needs to build into the season. But I don't know if Detroit are going to have the patience to just let him build into the season. And their rushing game was so terrible. They had to just throw, 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 throw. And Deron Lee's second um, interception was just because he went... Yeah, they aren't running this, and he just dropped back into pass coverage and, and picked off Stafford for the second time. Mm. They've got to get that rushing game going, or Stafford isn't going to stand a chance. He's going to get hit hard, and he's going to struggle to struggle to throw completions. Mm. That rushing game is a mess. They need to commit to somebody, and they need that person to be successful. Mm. And of that backfield, it's got to be Carry On Johnson because we've seen Theo Riddick, we've seen 
what the Garrett Blount looks like. And they've either got to say, right, we're giving the Garrett Blount all the carries and we're going to hope he builds through the season, or they've got to go carry on Johnson and say, right, this is your show now. Yeah. But yeah. there's a problem in Detroit. Yeah. I think it's 68 games now since they've had a 100 yard rusher in a single game. This is dating back to Reggie Bush in 2013. So they've brought in Abdullah who, who didn't live up to the expectations. Uh, Riddick's always been there, but Riddick is not a 100-yard rusher in a game. Uh, Riddick is the, is the perfect complementary back. So, like you say, um, they've, they've got to hand it over to, to Johnson, who they, they have drafted, and by all reports, is going to be the guy. But then they have got they brought Blunt in as well, who, like I say, is the plotting guy, who who is capable of, of getting that 100-yard game. So it, it seems like they still haven't got that clear clear path there no. and to, to sum up perfectly they need that to, to help Stafford out because Stafford is is one of the best quarterbacks in the league perhaps top 10 um, he, he needs that support because he can't do it all himself week in week out the way to win in this league is with short four yard passes the way Brady's done it for years or it's to um, run the game off the play action the way that the Phillies did it the way that Atlanta did it the year they were successful the way Houston do it that's the way to be successful in this league now. And if you can't run off that play action and and you're not a quarterback and you haven't got an offense designed around quick three-second plays like the Patriots have, you can't succeed. And the Lions have golden tape, but their whole offense is a vertical kind of yeah. playing system. And to do that, you need to buy time and you need a rushing game. I, I agree with you. My concern is that LeGarrette Blount just looked slow. And it's been a long time since LeGarrette Blount just looked slow. He's always been a plodder. But there just looked to be nothing there. And we saw him get marginalised by the Eagles down the stretch last year. And they even traded for JJ. I, I saw the writing on the wall. I, I wouldn't be surprised if LeGarrette Blount either sneakily ends up on the IR or uh, he is cut before long. Yeah, no, I agree. One final point for me on this game. I noticed, uh, I only watched the highlights or the game in 40 or, or wherever it was, but I noticed that the Jets actually played the, the same formation in the same play quite a lot of times. It was a sweep, um, the the, ex, the the wide receiver doing a sweep round. It, it's the same play that uh, the Sam Darnold's first play where it did the interception. If you watch the highlights package, they played quite a lot of those same snaps and those same formations. I don't know if it was just me or if it was just the fact that they was <laughs> coincidental about the highlights. But yeah, they played quite a lot of the same, the same type of play there, which was, was quite interesting because I kept thinking that I was watching a loop and Game Pass was being temperamental, but uh, no, it wasn't. But um, yeah, I don't know if anyone else noticed that. No, they, they, they kept playing really shallow for Donald's first game and they didn't need to do anything more because Detroit just couldn't hang with them. Yeah. But teams will now have seen that and unless they're going to adjust, you, it, Donald is not a guy to go and pick up on waivers is what I'm saying here. Uh, the guy who's going to pick up from this offence is... It's Kenny Golladay from the Detroit side and it's Quincy Anunwa. Anunwa saw, I think, 11 of the 21 targets for the Jets um, and I don't see that changing. He was a beast two years ago. He was due to be a beast last year. Yeah. He will be a beast this year. Yeah. Okay, moving on to the final game then. The, the Rams uh, at Oakland. Rams pulling away towards the end there. Um, again, haven't really seen too much of this one, but Amara Cooper only one target. Jared Cook seemed to be getting everything uh, from what I saw in the highlights, and Gurley uh, and the Rams defense pretty much doing what they did last season. Uh, David, we'll start with you. Yeah, once again, uh, this looks like a typical Rams performance. Um, John said he was taking it back to 1998 with his rushing game, and um, they finished with with 23 rushes. They <laughs> Went down early. Um, they had to rely on the passing game again with Derek Carr, 40 passes. I think 
even someone as egotistical as Gruden couldn't really um, stick to stick to what he promised. Um, and it, it's just a mess for the Raiders. Um, I think how how someone can be an Oakland Raider fan this year is beyond me. Knowing that the team is going to up sticks and and move to to Las Vegas so soon, especially after the hiring of John Gruden as well. Uh, I think they fully deserve to go home in sixteen this year, and they could well do. Yeah, yeah. And Ben, I think uh, would you be worried if you're an Amari Cooper owner? Yeah, I think I would be. I think we saw the struggles last year. I don't know what it is. I don't know if, if Carl doesn't trust him or if... Um, I, I just... I can't even work it out. It's really weird. It, I, I didn't watch the game close enough to kind of see what coverage he was drawing. But I know the Rams have decent cornerbacks. It could just yeah. be that yeah. they, they locked him down. They um, were stuck to leave out there, possibly. Um, and so... He will have, he, whoever it is, obviously shut Amari Cooper down. I don't think we can make too many sweeping statements about Cooper until we see next sort of next week. Yeah. Um, they play in Denver, that's not going to be easy either, but Denver's cornerbacks are not great. So we should see Cooper, whether they, they obviously gave him a rush as well, so they're obviously trying to get him involved. So I wouldn't drop him, but what I wouldn't do is I'll probably. And next week, I think I'd be more frustrated if I started him and he had another 1.8 fantasy points than I would if I just sat him and then he went crazy because at least then I'd feel confident for the rest of the year but I feel like one of my friends had Amari Cooper last year in a fantasy league and he bemoaned every week that the week he sat Amari Cooper he went crazy yeah. started him he, he, he didn't do anything yeah. I fear it's going to be a lot like that this year yeah no I agree no, certainly agree with that one. And let's say Oakland, uh, I need to go back and see what how Marshawn Lynch uh, ran last night as well, just to see what he's kind of like. But he looked, from a couple of rushes I saw, he still looked quite lean and quite in, into it as well. So signs are good for for uh, Marshawn Lynch owners there. But obviously the game script kind of kind of went a little bit for them. Um, okay, so that's pretty much week one in the book. So should we just go around the table and pick out maybe some biggest winners or biggest losers or some the main takeaway maybe from week one? Ben, do you want to start? Yeah, really hard in the preseason. Um, Austin Eckler had a great game as the second foil to uh, Melvin Gordon. Uh, he, the Chargers, if they've not got Joey Boson, they're going to be in a lot of shootouts this year and they're going to lean on that passing game. Um, Austin Eckler is the passing back, absolutely. Uh, I know Melvin Gordon had a lot. Eckler, Eckler just, uh, it's probably very stereotypical, but just think Danny Woodhead. That's kind of how he strikes me. Um, so. He's a guy that I'm definitely looking out for. And just something from that Rams game that I found really interesting is Robert Woods, nine targets, joint highest targets with Cooper Cup, but only pulled in three. Don't give up on Robert Woods. He had some some real chances on deep shots last night and it just didn't come together for him. I really think that Robert Woods will in for a monster year. Uh, David, how about you? I'm liking the, the Bengals offense massively this year. Um, I think with AJ Green, if he can find some of the form that's he's always been good, but there have been years where he he has been um, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Um, and I think if he can regain that form again, um, if Tyler Eifert can remain healthy, then he's going to be a, a red zone touchdown machine. Uh, John Ross, like I mentioned before, he's going to be exciting. And to top it all off, top it all off, they've got a great, great running back in uh, Joe Mixon as well. So um, I think that offense for me is is going to be is going to be fun to watch. 
Yeah, I agree. You stole my uh, my, my Joe Mixon one, but yeah, I, I think for me, obviously Dallas being a very Dallas centric person, I I don't think it's a hot take to to think that we Dallas Dallas Cowboys are not going to play a, a playoff game until Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan uh, go go from this team. I, I I can't see us playing a playoff game for the next couple of years. And like I say, we mentioned earlier, it's going might it might even take a couple of years where we just get everyone out, all the big contracts out, uh, start again, um, centre it around Zeke. Because uh, the offensive line would be gone, be, will be gone by that point. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just not, I'm not enthused at all uh, being a Dallas fan. And we could say it's not far fetched to think that we could be a top five pick in the 2019 NFL draft alongside Arizona and I don't know some some other some other bashful team. Um, the other the other kind of hot takeaways I had: Kansas City could be one of the higher point scorers um, this season. Obviously, that Tyreek Hill uh, could be a, one of the highest scoring fantasy fantasy players. Uh, this year, uh, what else have got? Saints defense could be could be a bad defense uh, of old. Maybe not the one we saw last year. So they're they're kind of my two take my two or three takeaways. Uh, just before we wrap up, then guys, do you maybe want what give us give us one name to drop uh, and one name to add for waiver wise this this week? Dave, we'll start with you. Uh, for me, someone that I'm going to be adding. Um, we mentioned that Kenny Stills had the had the long touchdown reception, but he is pretty much the Received there um, in Miami, and um, and uh, Tannehill did look good. It was good to see Tannehill back after after such a long uh, such a long time. And uh, someone else I mentioned before, Dante Pettis as well. If Goodwin is out, Pettis um, could easily be the wide receiver one in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and especially with someone as accurate as Jimmy Garoppolo under center, um, that could be a match made in heaven this year. Um, I'm dropping Tariq Cohen. I thought he could be used similarly to to Tyreek Hill in Matt Nagy's offense, but it just didn't seem to didn't seem to go perfectly right for him for him last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm dropping Cohen. Cool, uh, Ben. How about you? So, so I've mentioned Eckler, but I think it, it's going to be Quincy Noir from a wide receiver point of view. Uh, obviously, you're dropping all of your kind of injured, but uh, somebody oh, I'm trying to think who I was super concerned about a little while ago um it really you just got to look at who's not receiving targets that's what's going to be key it's not someone i'm dropping this week but he's someone i'm very concerned about um but there are a lot of guys around nfl chris hogan he got a lot of targets but didn't pull them in if will set's going to be a big part of that offense going to be trouble It, it i don't want to give up on anyone too early so it's going to take an extraordinary performance to get me to give up on people but there was enough injuries around the NFL this week where you're going to be picking people up without needing to look at serious dropping. Uh, like Delaney Walker, guys like that are going to be making way on your NFL roster for um, for the guys like Quincy and Noir. I think you've got to go out and get these guys that saw a big target share and we, especially guys with rookie quarterbacks because once they have their guy, they tend to lock in on them. Yeah, totally agree there. The one, the one, the one person I had to drop, um, who put, I, I assume mo- most people will be dropping. I've, and in fact, some of my leagues I've already seen him in drops is uh, Corey Clement. Um, he obviously Darren Sproles and Jay Jai there kind of makes Corey Clement the odd man out. He's obviously the change of pace for for Jay Jai. He's still you know similar. Uh, Jay Jai like maybe if Jay Jai goes down then it's a different story but uh, quite a lot of people just started Corey Clement uh, on the hype going into the season obviously he's he's decent running the playoffs last season obviously in the Super Bowl as well uh, he's a guy he's a guy that's probably a candidate for the the most dropped uh, guy for the waivers for week one 
Uh, Quincy Numar and Austin Eckler were two I had down as well. Chris Godwin was the other as well. He made some fantastic catches. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, I think, has an injury. Nichols doubtful for week two as well, so he could be a hot guy uh, to target. Cameron Brake could be another one for the, ca- the candidate for the drop, uh, the drop candidacy uh, for the waivers as well. So those are, those are my waivers uh, and drops for the week. But that pretty much rounds us up, uh, which is good because I have seven percent left on my on my tablet slash battery. So. Guys, really appreciate you coming on, uh, David. Especially at such short notice to to cover the week one games. Really enjoyed the insight there, and um, say yeah, you can get the guys. You can get Ben at Ben Rolf uh, fifteen and David at Dave underscore tidy NFL. Um, really appreciate. That. I say I, I do look at some of the the, the stuff that you write, and uh, obviously I, I came on your show last week, Dave, and uh, didn't in, totally embarrass myself on the uh, tidy NFL podcast there with the trivia. Um, but let's, I'm not, I'm not going to be winning any, any prizes, that's for sure. But um, appreciate you both coming on, and hopefully we'll have you on at some point in the future. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me, and uh, I look forward to being on again sometime. Yeah, thanks for having me. I look forward to it as well. Been great. Cool. Well, I hope you, hope you uh, have have successful fantasy football seasons, and uh, all the best, all the best for the uh, for week two and onwards. Yeah. See. Thank you. You too. So there you have it. That was week one uh, with David Davenport and Ben Rolfe and obviously myself as well. Just before we let you go, obviously Thursday Night Football this week is uh, Cincinnati at Baltimore. No, it's not. It's Baltimore at Cincinnati. Be interesting game, that one. Uh, AFC North battle, uh, obviously uh, with the tie between Pittsburgh and and Cleveland on Sunday. Both teams will be looking to try and go 2-0. and be fascinating to see how Joe Flacco and, and co. get on against that uh, Bengals defence. And it's hard to take away from from week one there against Buffalo what Baltimore are actually like. And Cincinnati, I, I think, as well, faced a poor team in, in Indianapolis there, especially on offense as well. So it'd be quite interesting to see where those two are kind of in the power rankings there and who who's better than the other. Again, Thursday night games are never usually the greatest of spectacles, but that one should be quite an interesting defensive affair, probably a, a low-scoring one uh, if I had to pick. I don't know what the line is off the top of my head. Uh, I think it'd probably be a couple of points uh, in Baltimore's favour. But uh, yeah, that's, that's Thursday Night Football. Break that one down uh, when we talk at the weekend. I think Lee Wakefield should be back for that. Uh, just also, before we let you go, we've just we've hit 500 followers. We've hit our milestone. So keep your eyes peeled on our social media at Full 10 Yards there for a giveaway. We'll be sorting that out in the next couple of days, if not the next week or so. Uh, on, on the weekend's podcast, we'll be breaking down the week, again the weekend's games, week two, with Adam uh, Wolford of Touchdown Tips, and hopefully, say, Lee Wakefield will be back. If not, we will have a special guest in there to preview week two. But I hope you probably enjoyed the show. hope you enjoyed the week one review there. It was glad to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us and listening. Uh, if, you, if you're if you not already a subscriber uh, to the podcast on iTunes and or wherever your podcast uh, distributions are found, please give us a sp- subscribe. Please give us a review. That would be uh, more than appreciated. But we will talk to you later on in the week. Enjoy the waiver wires. I hope you get everyone that you, you want to. Uh, I hope you pick up maybe Quincy Nimoy, Austin Eckler or the like. Uh, if not, uh, unlucky, we can try it again next week. But that's going to do it for today's show. We'll speak to you in a couple of days' time. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com